0: Welcome to the Business and Enterprise Systems Mission Success Podcast, where we give you a look into the things happening in BES and other topics of interest. And today we have a great guest, Mr. Bill Kramer, who is the Chief of Cybersecurity Services. Mr. Kramer, good day to you, sir. How are you?
1: Hey, John. Hey, I'm doing well and I appreciate the invite. Uh, Hopefully we can cover some decent topics for everybody to understand and uh, maybe maybe ask me in the hallway if there, if there's any more details that they want to know. But yeah, I'm looking for the time together and, uh, you know,
0: hopefully I can clear up some things for for yeah. our, our teammates. Yeah. Well, we are, you know, we're excited to uh, get into this. We're recording this in the middle of October, which is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. And I don't know if this is appropriate or not, but Happy Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Is that what you're supposed to say to us? Uh,
1: Absolutely. T- this has uh, kind of been going on since, I want to say 2003. October has been the month for cybersecurity. Um, you know, it's kind of been quiet, but I think we're starting to pick up some traction and more and more people are coming on board. Uh, we... You know, we started our monthly newsletter, and for the month of October, because it is cybersecurity awareness, we're we'll put out our second edition this month to try to give some people more insights on what they're doing with their systems, maybe as it pertains to AI, artificial intelligence, or whether you know cloud one or different different entities that hopefully will help explain things. And if not, maybe pique some curiosity so they'll they'll ask the questions. So yeah, uh, look out it's October. Right, it's it's a it's a great opportunity to to share some of the things we have for our cybersecurity.
0: Awesome. Well, we appreciate you taking the time today because not only our BES teammates, but we'll have others that will uh, check out these um, this conversation and see what they can learn. So let's get into this. Cybersecurity is really more than just protecting data. So as a, a cybersecurity professional, what comes to mind when I ask you, what is the BES cybersecurity role?
1: Uh, So thanks, John. Um, Yeah. So cybersecurity is really broad, but I I would like to kind of skinny it down as a cybersecurity professional, you know, living in this today's shark infested cyber world, this digital domain that we all live in. Our our mission is to really try to stay ahead of the bad guys, right, our adversaries, and try to to keep our enterprise uh, safe. And our enterprise, you know, that includes... Our networks, our hosting environments, our applications, our services—you know—the um, Internet of Things, right? And 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 not only at within business enterprise systems, but because we do so much telework, we really need to be conscious about that in our home network too, right? Because we connect to that as well, whether even though we use VPN and such. But but let's let's start to understand. Um, we in in our role, we need to understand how to test an application. Uh, whether it's through physical means or through the use of tools, we need to, you know, identify vulnerabilities associated with that system or devices, uh, and also understand the impact to our program if and when they they may be attacked. Uh, also, understand the many ways our defenses can be breached, and and putting that into place, um, the protections needed to help maintain a secure, resilient cybersecurity posture. Uh, it's a it's a huge effort and critically important uh, to the well being of our enterprise, our cyber defense, and you know our mission and our people, right? Because we do trade PII, HIPAA information, and you know we we all like to get a paycheck, and then with paychecks we share you know your personal account information. So it's I think we you know if you look at it, we not only touch our enterprise, but we touch probably just every member of the Air Force, not just BEs.
0: And that's a big picture enterprise, your role in cyber, as a professional, but, but what what do you think about cybersecurity when it comes to your mind? Your uh, call, your yeah. Call. So let's,
1: let's, yeah, let's get down to the, the brass tacks here. Right. So um, when I, when cybersecurity comes to my mind, I, I really want to talk about, and, and even when I make a decision, I want to talk about attack surface, attack vectors, security breaches, uh, of course, there's several other things we, you know, we talk about vulnerability stuff like that. But, but if you don't mind, I'm i going to get into a little bit more detail on like the attack surface be, because I don't think people understand what that really means. Because you'll you'll hear cybersecurity people talk about it, but uh, maybe the general populace don't understand what we're talking about. So, if you don't mind, an attack surface is where an attack can occur. So if you if you take um this okay, so if you take an X and Y graph where the the x-axis lists all your devices, maybe your applications, uh, your services, your interfaces, maybe some Internet of Things uh, within your enterprise. And then you take the y-axis and you start listing all the different breach methods, such as um, unpatched software, uh, cross-site scripting, SQL injection, maybe poor encryption or misconfiguration. Anyway, you start to graph that. And align, you know, the X axis and Y axis, and you plot all that. This plot plot is actually your attack service. So you can imagine, you know, in the Air Force, we have all these systems, all these devices, all these networks, and we have multiple ways to attack. So that attack service is is fairly large in the Air Force. And of course, we skinny it down by, you know, we do it down to the the hosting environment, we do it down to the application. And that kind of helps drives us where we're gonna spend some time. Uh To help plug plug some of our issues or vulnerabilities, and and to you know point us in the right direction to fix things. The other thing I talked about was attack vectors, and this is really um, methods used by our attackers uh, to breach or infiltrate you know our entire network or our systems or or services. Um, They enable hackers to exploit you know system vulnerabilities. you know weaknesses um, and and just open doors that we just either forgot about or we are lazy to close or didn't shut the door uh, behind us. So uh, some of those attack vectors may include like uh, compromised credentials. Right, we don't do a lot of password, yeah. uh, username, password, but but there's still some out there and they could be compromised. Uh, another big one we look at is malicious insiders. Right, you know we all think about the. Uh, Snowden and all the stuff that he did as part of passing data stuff like that. But even a malicious insider could do stuff like just delete data, or change some bits on the data so it does something poor. The other thing you we may look at attack vectors is uh, poor encryption because we trade data. You know, do we have encryption in place between systems? Um, a common one for us is just sometimes we. Either have misconfiguration of our software and hardware, or we have unpatched uh, software and hardware. And and maybe I'll talk about that if we get in and talk about open source stuff. But it's just stuff like that that we we need to patch. And and we're getting better at that. But that's just an area that we we needed a, a look at as part of our attack vectors. Uh, one you hear in the news a lot is phishing, yeah. you know, um, and ransomware. These are these are other attack vectors that are commonly used in industry. Um, and again, I, I I, have, you know, I, I see phishing all the time on some of the, the networks I deal with. And, and although people are very, you know, usually conscious, but sometimes they get through and we don't realize impact until later down the road. Uh, the other thing, um, I think the third part I was talking about was security breaches, right? So we, we you know, we, nobody wants to talk about a security breach, but, but the fact is, is If it hasn't happened, it's going to happen. And so what are we going to do about it? Um, You know, we we need to understand the sensitivity of the data. You know, how is it protected? What type of data is it classified, unclassified? What happens if it's, you know, just accessed by a rogue user or if it's actually stolen by an unauthorized party, right? Um, So so these are the kinds of things that when I talk about my role, you know, I'm really looking at uh, those three things. And an attack. When I talk about security breaches, that can also be in the form of um, like zero-day vulnerabilities, right? You'll hear about, oh, we need to patch something because we have a, a zero-day vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a brute force attack, or maybe a lot of people understand denial of service attacks. Uh, even in at our home network, we have malware issues or insider threats. So th- all of these things play into and roll up into those three things, uh, you know, the attack surface, attack vectors, and security breaches. Um, And again, there's many other things, but those are the three things that correlates everything back to me when it comes to cybersecurity.
0: Yeah. Uh, Three big issues there. And I appreciate you sharing that, but I'm sure your, your job, your role in in title is much more than than three big rods, but thank you for uh, giving us some clarity on that. But yeah. um, Cybersecurity is an organizational problem. It's not just a technical problem. So um, there's a study that was done by Stanford University and it revealed that 88% of data breaches were caused by employee mistakes. Now, I'm not going to confess all my dirty laundry here, but many years ago, a different organization, sure, I clicked on the wrong email, but um, what are some of the, the challenges that you face with human error when it comes to cybersecurity?
1: Yeah, so uh, so let me start with, you're you're absolutely correct. Cybersecurity is an organizational problem, and and it it should be everybody's problem, right? We all need to be mindful. and And I know we we ask people to take certain training and stuff like that. I think we could do some some more uh, on that side of the house. But again, as I, I mentioned, it doesn't stop at our office door or the gate of the base, right? um we have in this telework world we bring our laptops home we connect to our home networks you know we need to understand that our home networks are secure we under need to understand that you know we have uh uh vulnerability scanning tools on our home network to make sure because we don't know sometimes who's on our home network or what they're clicking and what are they downloading and yet again we're connecting our <clears throat> government laptop to that network and then we unplug it and take it to the base and we plug it in. So I, I, again, I think it's everybody's problem. It doesn't stop at the gate. It needs to go to home and back. But getting to your your primary uh, question is about, you know, what do we do with facing human error? And, and unfortunately, whether it's due to lack of knowledge, understanding, or simple mistakes, common errors and, and mistakes happen. We, you know, we see it every day. We have... We, we do it. I mean, uh, you, t- you talk about confessing on, on an issue. Um, I, I wrote software for many years. I'll be the first. And I know um, uh, there was a backdoor in the system. This was many, many years ago. We didn't talk about cybersecurity, but you had backdoors into your systems because when you got that phone call say, go fix this, you had a way in, uh, of course, bad standard back then, but that we don't do that today. <laughs> but anyway, um, whether it's the user, uh, a developer, uh, a tester, a system admin, a cybersecurity specialist. um, Like you said, we're human. We make mistakes. However, there are times when we make mistakes that are made due to maybe negligence or sometimes just made due to not knowing. And unfortunately, we see both types, right? Um, For instance, somebody sending passwords in clear text somebody's sending a a cui document to their home email right uh, because they wanted to print it out uh that kind of stuff uh so it happens i think people are you know trying to get the mission done and they do stuff like that um but we we need to learn from those mistakes and we need to get better um of course we have those that are you know I don't know why they do it, but they pull data from the high side, put it on the low side. Now we've got to wipe out servers and data and everything else. And what I don't think people understand is um, the time that's involved in those, you know, in those mistakes, it happens. But a lot of times those mistakes, uh, we have to, those mistakes cause people to get their accounts blocked. We have to go to, you know, to the AMAC to get it unblocked and, I've had as long as, you know, it takes me almost 14 days to get somebody's account unblocked just oh. because of the process. Sometimes normally it takes two to three days, but even that, that's a, uh, you know, not only have we had a, 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 and I'll say a minor incident, but we've had loss of revenue, right? We've had people sitting there and they still get paid. And so I think that's something we need to start taking into consideration in the future. Um, the other part too is, um, I think people make mistakes um, just when they're stressed and sometimes unclear processes, right? Again, you know, somebody sent it to their home network or something like that. That it was just because they're trying to get something done and they probably have a time constraint and they don't realize that, you know, they're going to email it to themselves or what have you, and it's not encrypted. So those are the kinds of things we got to be careful of. Um, and, and we're all aware of the fact that, you know, I talked about training, And I think a lot of this goes back to how we train individuals, but, you know, we all spend that one hour every year doing our cybersecurity CBT. And if you've done it many, many times, you can just about do it with your eyes closed, right? We, we just try to get through it, check the box and go on. I I think there's other opportunities for us to engage in more training and, and create maybe real-time activities. for, For instance, um, um fishing fishing is a big thing there's ways that we can you know send out fishing attacks to our own people and then score them on whether or not they identify as a fishing scheme or and it's kind of like keeping people on their toes they also they get to learn from it and and not only is it good for us as government entities but it also helps themselves on their own home network and again even though they're separated in my opinion, they're somewhat connected because we we attach that network. Yeah. Some of the other, I'm sorry. Some of the other challenges we see. Was you going to ask a question, John?
0: Well, I was just going to say that's like a an organizational pop quiz right there. If you get an email and yeah, decide am I going to open this or not? That's that's I won't tell anybody. Okay, that's well exactly.
1: <laughs> and and I and I for example, I've seen an example of one. Um, they they I won't say how they did it, but it was like you know it it came from somebody with a great name said, Hey, military appreciation day, click this link. You get a free pizza from, from pizza hut. Um, Hey, who wouldn't want to get a free pizza from pizza? Hut, Right. I mean, but, but that's, and, and, and up, you know, if we talk about AI, we may go into more deep, but, but AI is ramping up that game. It's getting smarter. It's looking for what's on your network. that you've clicked, you, you know, we store cookies on our systems. And, and so, AI is starting to look at that and say, hey, this guy's really interested in X, Y, and Z. Let's build a phishing scheme that's very specific to what they've been targeting. Wow. So it's, it's. I mean, it's getting challenging and people have to really step up their game to understand what, you know, they're up against. Um, I'm going to go back to the other challenges, challenges I, I see um, in our realm of cybersecurity um, and when we're um maybe improperly implementing or performing cybersecurity requirements um and i think that's just stems from the lack of um well on training and maybe um improperly inter interpreting guidance and instructions right from our whether it's nist 853 or from a AF- uh, afi instructions um sometimes we we, we get going so fast that we don't understand what we're actually looking for or what the instructions are trying to tell us. Um, I think the government and industry has done a good job to building this documentation. Uh, we use RMF, you know, half the community doesn't like RMF, the other half embraces RMF. And RMF is the risk management framework we use to kind of do that um, The assessment. Are you doing the right things in your application or devices or whatever that we're checking? And sometimes we just we don't understand what they're asking for and we sidestep that um and and, and that puts an in burden on you know what we're trying to protect what people are trying to do uh and kind of leaves us open and and kind of and I put that in the realm of mistake because again I think we can overcome that uh with you know maybe some additional training or what have you and um maybe adopt what some of the industry partners are doing uh, for instance um, you know you hear about well you got to get your cybersecurity certification you know sec plus or cssp or cssm and for a while they say well if you got that you're you're golden you could become a cyber security professional but but what people are realizing is that because you passed an exam doesn't mean that you're mature enough to go do the things by yourself and so what industry is, is starting to do and I'm starting to see is, yes, they still use the cybersecurity certificate as I focus, but some of the agencies, when they're starting to hire people, um, they're, they're starting to require hands-on testing. Can you, can you actually do the, perform the work? Uh, I know of one government agency, and I think it's uh, Homeland Security, but I have to go back and double check. Um, you have to actually go through four tests before you get to an interview state. Uh, there's a couple tests you do at home. They actually send you to a a proctored site to where you get proctored and, and monitored. And I think just right before the interview, they actually give you one and that they use in the interview for you to to take the interview. So it's interesting that the complexity, these you know agencies and, and Homeland Security is not the only one uh, and industry is picking up on this too, is that they, uh, they want to know that you can do the work, and that you're uh, whatever position they're hiring you for. That you're mistake- mature enough. So, uh, so, so circle back. I think when you talk about um, sometimes we deal with mistakes, stuff like that. I think that falls into a couple of different realms, right? Whether it's negligence, and we just don't care, or we just don't know, or we just don't have the experience, and we we end up causing mistakes. Which then impacts, you know, because I'm going back to now, that could lead to a security breach or a security incident, and now we got to spend a lot of time doing forensics, doing the analysis, going back and get uh, permission to turn the accounts back on or turn the application back on and start processing data. So, so, I, I kind of rambled on on that one, but uh, I think mistakes fall into a number of of areas, but I do believe, you know, we are human, we cause, we happen. We, we, we make mistakes, uh, and so uh, that 88% doesn't really um, doesn't surprise me, if you will. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I, just hearing some of the things you're talking about, something as simple as emailing yourself from the office to the home, I think most people would even give that a second thought. Um, if you had two or three items of do nots, don't do's what what would you say to some of our team be sure you don't do this it's probably outside of something you've ever thought about but just some um, security yep. I, you know
1: some of the biggest things i see just from the everyday uh, teammates at bes is doing stuff just like you said right mm-hmm. emailing themselves without encrypting that email everybody assumes that we're on the AFNET, it's encrypted, which is true, right? We use, we issue, you know, we use TLS and we encrypt it. But if you send it outside to your corporate office, to your personal account, anything like that, it's not encrypted. So now those that are monitoring you, like the 690th Air Force or the 33rd or like that, as soon as they see that going to an external point that's not encrypted, you're going to get popped your account's going to get blocked and the team's going to spend a lot of time doing the forensics and and oh by the way that 1 hour cbt you're going to have to take that again along with any remediation that your company imposes on so so that's one of them uh the other thing is um if if you're not sure uh about a process or a or you see a cybersecurity incident you just need to raise the question you know let's most programs within BES, they have a ISSO or ISSM support team. We have site leads, whether it's Joint Base San Antonio or right Pad, or Gunner. Um, reach out to somebody and ask the question because that you know hour it takes to ask that question, what have you, may save 5, 10, 50 hours down the road right? and keep somebody from exposing our data. Wow. That's
0: a lot to think about. Really good stuff. So yeah. moving on, kind of in that that same realm, as an organization, what are some of the common threats that we're we're facing?
1: Uh, so this is uh, interesting. Um, let's see. First of all, I'm I'm kind of chuckling, right? Because um, it's really that question that it's what we don't know, right? Those those are the threats that we you know we can do a lot of things for the threats we know about we probably have remediation activities to help with those It's yeah. so the threats we don't know and 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 i and i bring that up because you know we we in bes have been writing software for many many years okay. mm-hmm. um and we we've been scanning and, I, and this is uh near and dear to our heart cuz you, if you hear me talk at MITS or um at other forums i talk about open source
0: mm-hmm.
1: um libraries and and so we're going to hear about it again we you know several years ago we started scanning and it was really a, just a, a static code scan for what our development teams had developed um, and they would run the scans fix the, the issues and go forth well again we didn't know what we didn't know and now our tools have um evolved the same tool we ran two years ago now has capability to run an open source analyzer. And so we're using that capability to scan our codes um, for other vulnerabilities. And, and what we've seen initially was, oh, my, wow, all shucks, because it had opened up another avenue of potential vulnerabilities or threats that we weren't aware of. And we've been doing this for many, many years. Yeah. Uh, so now these tools, um, they they're enabling us and providing us insights to the source code we we've never seen before. And so we're starting to use the, the tools um, to scan the open source libraries. Um, we've identified several outdated libraries. You know that have been we've been carrying those those threats and I do air quotes uh, for many, many years. We just we didn't have it a knowledge that we were bringing in some of these interdependencies from other libraries into our, our baseline. So, um, so again, I, I chuckle because, you know, when you talk about, um, you know, common threats, uh, this has been a common threat we've had for many, many years. We just didn't know it. What's interesting though, is now the tools are are evolving, right? And we're starting to able to use this capability um, to, to get to the, some of the problems. And so, what we didn't have two years ago i'm going to be interested and in see what we have able to overcome in the next six months 12 months or a year from now um and and see if we can't you know fix some of these threats that we have in our systems or vulnerabilities um another new one you've everybody's probably heard about it was the s-bombs right again that kind of correlates to open source uh libraries and that's s-bombs is software bill of materials um and so they've you know we've had a team um under gbe that's been kind of working through that and they have some tools and they have some other capabilities that they're piloting today to help understand that and that really kind of tells us not only do we know where the open source library is in our system but maybe where it was developed and are there any rogue um contributors to that open source library rogue i mean as far as adversary right um, the new one that's, you know, I was just reading about the other day is uh, H-Bombs, um, is the hardware of materials. You know, in our enterprise, we use a number of hardware devices. Um, and so, you know, if you stay up with Cisco, they're constantly being bombarded with, you know, uh, vul- not vulnerabilities, but being under attack. Um, so they're constantly updating their But those are things that kind of we, we, we weren't really considering two years ago, but now they're on our forefront. Mm-hmm. And so these are the common threats we've got to overcome. The other ones, I think, um, you know, we, we have the same um, same issues that we we just have to get better at, right? We, we don't necessarily patch at the frequency we need to. Sometimes we have patches or libraries that are outdated. Um, other common threats are like misconfigurations of some of our components. Um again we we talked about fishing uh, I think you know that's another threat that we really have to start taking seriously um you know a lot of people you know you know they get attacked and maybe they don't know or they're maybe they're too embarrassed to report it so that the forensics can be done on their devices before they bring it back to the afnet so um yeah i i i um gosh Common threats, I think they're all over the board. (laughs) The ones that we don't know are the ones that scare me. Yeah. Because I don't, you know, don't know what's there. Um, but what you see in the news lately, and a lot of companies are really complying with, and they're they're getting after it, is uh zero day vulnerabilities, right? Um, you, you see that sometimes in Apple or Google or you know, Microsoft or what have you, and they're very proactive to saying, hey. Uh, we've been exploited in this area. Here's the patch. You need to do this immediately. And I think those are things that we need to take very serious and and go apply the patch or whatever is part of that zero-day vulnerability. And sometimes it's not just, again, our laptop from work. We need to apply those at home as well to protect our ourselves at home. So there's a number of threats we could probably talk about, but, yeah, that's kind of what's near and dear to the heart
0: right now. Yeah. You mentioned earlier AI. That's the big topic for anybody. Even, even the most uh common lay person that doesn't know anything. AI is the discussion today. So how is AI being used both in attacks and in response when it comes to cybersecurity?
1: Whew, man. Those two little letters, right? AI, they that's 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 big. And to be honest, it scares me. Okay, uh, but also I'm I'm looking forward to how it's going to help improve our cybersecurity posture. Right, I, I think um, we need to be well. Let's say we we're already working with AI, right, to help drive better cybersecurity postures and resilience in BEs. It's a small step, but there's a pilot underway, and, and we have a couple more user stories queued up so that as we can get through this to understand. AI and the capabilities and what it can do to help us. Um, I think I'm I'm looking forward to enable AI to to help uh, better understand and maybe faster identify some of our risks in our systems. You know, before I was talking about scanning tools, we couldn't do that on our own, but the tools have evolved and now we're getting more information. I think AI is gonna be in that same thing and it can do it quicker, right? Um, I think it can introduce, uh, automated, uh, security monitoring. Uh, so if there's an alert, uh, we don't have to wait for it to be in a queue for somebody to identify it. Uh, uh, we can use a tool to help that. Um, I think we can use AI to, um, you know, overcome some of our weaknesses and, and some of our activities that we need to, and I use the term mitigate, right. But to get us, um, in a better posture. Um, uh, so that's on that side. I think on the flip side of the coin, I think AI can uh, better perform better reconnaissance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which which is on the bad for us, right? They're, they're going to need to learn our systems faster. They're going to probably develop better phishing schemes. Um, they may be able to automate exploitations that we weren't even even considering from a human aspect um, and, you know, we're talking about AI using uh, to help us write source code. Well, in that same sense, AI can probably develop better malicious scripts and install itself to become the man in the middle, right? So that now they have not only, you know, internal access, but they have access to all the data and now they can manipulate that data. And oh, by the way, you know, in our ransomware attacks, they download all the data. Well, if AI is that smart, it doesn't have to download all the data. It just needs to take the data that's relevant. You know, so I, so I, I, that's the part that scares me, right? There's so many aspects of AI that scares me, but there's so many aspects of AI I, I can't wait to embrace. Yeah. And I, I think that's, you know, what we need to do from the government side. We don't we don't need to give up on AI because we're scared of it. I think we need to embrace it to understand the capability and how we can quickly use it to our advantage uh, without you know, kind of destroying ourselves within because yeah. I, I think there's there's the good and the bad, the pros and cons. So I think um, GBZ, Bill Kramer, we are embracing AI. We're starting some small pilots, but in the back of my neck as the hair starts to grow. Well, I don't have any hair. I'm bald. But anyway, you get with the drift. The fact that you know, we have to be cautious, conscious of it because our adversaries are going to use it against us. And we have to understand what those threats are
0: and and be on the lookout for. It. That's really good, really good stuff, because A.I. is not the problem. It's the user behind A.I. Absolutely. How can we, as the good guys, work it to our advantage? I love that. So just lastly, let's um, get ready to wrap up here. Um, Is there anything you want to say to the BES community in regards to cybersecurity? What would your words of wisdom be? Um,
1: Yes. Uh, Okay. You gave me the podium, the soapbox. Let's, Let's just start back to what we talked about. All members of BES should be conscious of some aspect of cybersecurity and their role that they play with regards to cybersecurity, as we develop software develop, uh, software products, right? That software development lifecycle is their cybersecurity sprinkled throughout, whether we start with requirements, business impact analysis, um, we, we just have to be conscious of that. So this is not a, cybersecurity is not a black box. We, we need to make sure everybody's engaged in it. Uh, we need to understand cybersecurity to make business decisions with regards to software architecture, uh, uh, development activities, and and in our final product, right? The functional requirement. Cybersecurity Mm -hmm. may impact some of that as we look at requirements, you know? And I can go down different paths, right? Uh, Whether it's an interface that we send data to, do we we really need that interface? Is the interface encrypted or that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And somebody needs to make that decision early on and not wait to the very end. Um, But more importantly, if within the cybersecurity um, professional, we talk about not just the three things I talked about earlier. We also talk about confidentiality, integrity, and availability. Um, and those are three key inst- um, items, or they call it the CIA triad, right? That even the program manager, the, the, the user, the requirements owner, the developer, the tester, everything, should be conscious about what we're doing and how that could possibly impact those three things confidentiality, integrity, and availability. Um because you know we get breached or we have an issue, uh what's it going to do to our data? So overall going back, um cybersecurity um should be a team sport, especially within BES. Right. Everybody has a little piece. Uh and again, if you don't understand your role in that, or if you don't understand where you fit in the bigger picture, or if you have a question on cybersecurity, please come and ask somebody uh, within the GBZ team, right? Um, your site leads, your O's and M's, if they don't know, ask them to find out. Because again, this is a team sport and, and and impacts all of us. And I'll go back to what I started earlier. It's not just the government systems or the government laptops. It impacts us personally because we're trading personal information we're trading financial information health information and you may be trading it on your home network so it all plays thanks. as one big you know bes enterprise
0: so cyber security team sport love it that's a great perspective there so thanks john Well, to everybody, thank you for tuning in to the BES Mission Success Podcast. At BES, we run the systems that run the Air Force, moving money, manpower, and materiel. Until next time, good day.